What's cooking? Facts, lies, and everything nice. Welcome to Half Baked Science. We are Hao Zhi, Cheryl, Jean, and Suhana. We are here to serve you your weekly dose of all things psychology and pseudoscience, exclusively on Radio Pulse, the sound of NUS. Hey guys, you're listening to Radio Paul's The Sound of NUS. Welcome back to Half Baked Science. Yay! Hello everyone. So this is midterms week and I know it's a really stressful time for everyone. And today's episode is themed all around midterm season, midterm stresses. All of us are going to be talking about our experiences with midterms, how they make us feel. And hopefully we're going to see some psychological tips and tricks and hacks and um, just some more information that could help you during this midterm season. So how was midterms, guys? Do y'all like have any midterms? Okay, for context, this is my exchange semester. So I I have midterms, but I don't really need to care about it. <laughs> so sorry, I can't like, relate to like the stress as of now. But what about like the rest of y'all? Like how has the midterm season been treating you guys? Yeah, I'm interning, so same for me. How is it for <laughs> you guys? <laughs> so fortunate, the two of you. Okay, I shall go first. Okay, so for me, right, actually, okay, so like for context, right, it's actually week seven now, and recess week was last week, and before that was week six. So my midterms kind of actually started in week six, like two weeks ago. I had like two papers in week six. Mm. They were pretty okay, I guess, but then, yeah, it gets very tiring because like my next paper is actually in week eight, so, like, during week 7, like, recess week, there's really not much time to... I mean, you have time to rest also, but then, like, all the projects are also starting because it's the second half of the SEM, so everything is just starting to pile up. And then you're just getting more and more tired because you just want the SEM to be over, but you realize you're only halfway there. <laughs> but um, I guess as for whether... It's, it's midterm season, so everyone is just tired in general, I guess. But, yeah, we got this just slowly but surely, everyone. Yep, we'll get there. Are you like done with your midterms already or you still have like papers? I have one more paper next week on Friday. So yeah. your midterms spent across like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that must be really tiring. Yeah, it really is. But in a sense, it's better also because like, you no, know, everything is not crammed together. So it more time and like space oh. to study and plan on everything. So yeah. So you would prefer like space start exams as compared to like just getting everything done and over with? Actually, no. Okay, that's, that's, okay, it depends on what mod it is. Because, like, I think some mods that are more content-heavy or, like, more time, then it would be nice if, like, they are further spaced out from the other mods. But then, mm. sometimes you just want to, like, those, like, smaller topics, right? Those that, you know, like, only a few topics are tested, that kind of thing. You just want to get it done and over with because nobody likes exams. So, right. yeah, the shorter, shorter they are, the closer they are, the better. So, yeah. It really depends on what that particular mod is about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, Cheryl and Houcha, I wanted to ask you guys, because being freshies, this is technically like your second midterm season and I guess like third exam season overall for university. So how how do you guys approach it? Do you approach it differently than when you were studying for like high school exams? Well, I keep forgetting that you guys are your ones. I know, <laughs> they're, they're so professional and they're so well, smart. Because I know that Cheryl is a year one, but I keep forgetting that like in my head, Houcha is a year two. <laughs> but soon, yeah, anyway, yes. Good, very good question, Zohana. That's something I want to hear as well. So, like, what do you guys, what are your thoughts? Personally, I feel that I think it depends on the major. Like, so for context again, I'm in a, I'm like under faculty of science. 
And in JC, my I was also in the science stream. So basically, like how I study, what I'm studying, is pretty similar to what I'm already used to. So like even all my study methods, they tend to work except for like one mod. Yeah. So like, because I'm a person who tends who tends to like do more like I don't practice as much as other people. But then there was this one mod where like. You, there's nothing much to study. It's really just practice. So, I guess that's kind of different. What about how to? Okay, for me, right? So, I'm a person who, like, needs a lot of practice. The kind of person that just constantly, like, you need to, like, do a lot of, like, practice papers. That was how I studied in, like, JC, yeah, for my exams and stuff. But I realized in uni, that doesn't really always work. Why? Because I think the nature of what we're learning also, it's, like, it goes deeper. Yeah. No more than I expected, actually, to be honest. And then there are some things that you can't exactly practice for. Cause like, okay, okay, for example, like those like coding modules, right? For com for like context, I'm doing like computer engineering. So like, we do have like some modules where you need to code and stuff. And, oof, being a person who has never like coded for his life before he entered uni, right? It was oh. not a fun experience last semester. Wow, I was losing my mind, guys. I swear. <laughs> it was so bad. But then, right, like um, because coding is something that. People, people around you already have like you know experience doing it so you're like oh my god how can I catch up to them you know so how can I study to catch up to them then you realize like you just can't because the nature of the way that it's tested is like the questions are always different they might be similar but there's always those little twists that come around you know that can't really do much about them but then for other mods like you know math those math mods really just paper come just take try to understand the content but if you really cannot understand the content right okay this is my approach for doing math and it has worked for me so far if you don't understand the content don't bother understanding the content just know how to do the question because you identify the same set of questions right it's actually a fixed approach to approach like that particular kind of questions so for those kind of uh, questions that you know the approach right just apply the approach and just memorize the approach to the question. And then once you do that, you'll be able to do those like content-based questions, but for those like proving questions for math, just just give up those marks just a little bit. Yeah. yeah That's so how I study for Some math, things are just not yeah. worth it, right? Yeah, some things are just <laughs> not worth it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so it's that? a little bit different. Oh, I, I feel like I'm hearing like two different approaches here because like on one hand, Cheryl says that, oh, like the thing that I'm studying is pretty similar to what I've been studying all this while. So... I didn't really have to like change my study methods and it, it it's been like working well for you. I think that's what I'm hearing. But on the other hand, like for how to like, cause obviously like coding is not something that we are exposed to in like high school or even before uni. So it, it must've been like really hard. And were there like, and there needed to be like certain changes in like your study approaches in order to cope with like exams and stuff like that, right? I think, okay, like for me, right? basically for my coding exams because I'm more of a theoretical person. So like, you know, we have those practical exams, right? I basically just give out the practical exams. La. I was like, okay, let me just focus on the theory side to try to carry my grades. La. So for like, the practical exams, it was like, I remember for both, it was like 10% and 15% of my grades. Then both of them, right, I kind of tried to practice by doing like, you know, they gave like past year papers to like try the questions. Yeah. So I kind of did what I do normally, which is like try to find the approach to the question. But I realized there's no way I'm getting any of this. So... I ended up just uh, trying to wing the exam, then thinking like, oh, I just hope people around me are the same or so, then, you know, they just wing it or so, so like, I wouldn't get destroyed by the bell curve, but yeah, clearly that didn't work out because I got single digit for both um my practical exams, but yeah, I still did okay for the mod in the end, so yeah, oh, I was good. Destroyed by the bell curve. <laughs> yes, destroyed by the bell curve. Yeah, no, one thing I realized when you were speaking is a couple times you mentioned like, 
what you think about how others are performing. Like you said, oh, are others doing just as bad? Or you were just like, oh, I hope like I'm not like the worst in the class, which is like a big thing when it comes to NUS because of the bell curve. Like you're constantly thinking about what is everybody else doing? And like, how to, I don't know if, I mean, did you take CS 1010? Yes, I did. That was the mod that like, I sold my soul to. You oh, sold your yeah. soul. <laughs> I have heard such horror stories about CS 1010. Okay, A, like pretty much every CS major has to take it like in their freshman year, which is like thousands of people, right? <clears throat> and then all the other, like I think for some sciences, it's also like a mandatory class. Like I had a couple of friends in life science who had to take CS 1010 and they were like, I guess, in a worse position than you because everyone around them was actually like computer science majors and they were constantly feeling like, I'm not fit for this. I'm not made for this. Why am I here? And a big conversation we had around that time was just about imposter syndrome and imposter phenomenon. Like we constantly felt, or they were telling me that they constantly felt like they didn't belong there. And of course, they, you know, this was their major. This was a mandatory requirement. And it's just like such a horrible feeling that you don't belong here and this is not like you're not good enough for the people yeah. around you in a sense? Well, I think like talking about imposter syndrome has like brought me back to my first semester in uni, which was like two years ago. God damn, I'm year three. But yeah, for those people who are not like familiar with imposter syndrome, it's basically um imposter syndrome is not a mental illness or whatsoever, but it is like a psychological occurrence in which like you dub your skill sets and like you dub your capability and you feel like you don't belong somewhere and because you feel like you don't you don't belong or you des- don't deserve to be in a certain role or a certain position you feel like a fraud and you also feel very afraid that like someone might figure out that like you're not as good as they think you are and because of that it creates a lot of like emotional distress and definitely that's something I experienced as a year one because okay for those who don't know I am actually Malaysian, so I came to NUS. I came to Singapore for uni in 2020. So prior to NUS, I didn't study in Singapore at all. And we all know that Singapore is quite a uh, quite known for their academic um quality and academic standard, but Malaysia isn't quite like that. So <laughs> prior to uni, I was I always found it quite easy to do well in school and I didn't really had to work like super, super hard in order to get the grades that I wanted. But when I came to Singapore, I was so humbled. Like I remember in year one, my imposter syndrome was so bad because to me, it was kind of like, oh, I've always been like good good in school. And now I'm here, I'm just like an average like student. And I it was just like really hard for me to cope with that. So I was just wondering like whether you guys had a similar experience like last semester, even like in this semester, since you guys are like still in your year one. Okay, so, um, well, okay, maybe I can start with me. So, actually, Jean, right, I agree, like, 100%, or maybe even 110% to what you're saying. <laughs> because, yeah, imposter syndrome is really, it's quite, okay, honestly, I suffer from it quite bad, you can say. Because, like, I'm the kind of person who are constantly, like, oh, am I doing enough? How can I do more? You know, people around me are just, like, so good at what they're doing. And then, because, like, for my course, right, there are people who are, like, they have a lot of experience with, um, like, coding already because you know some of them have done it in like their JCs they took like computing as their like what their subjects for like A-levels and whatnot and then you're just like oh my god I'm new to this they've been doing this for two years and they actually did well for it at the exam that's why they're here and then you're like wait how am I supposed to catch up to these people so like you constantly feel like how do you put it out mm. like you feel like you're not doing enough 
to be able to match the standard that you need to be at. And you look around and like, oh my god, these people are doing it so effortlessly. They're not even trying. And then they're getting it like instantly. And then like, I remember, okay, this is like a very, very clear memory for me. So like we have actually like lab sessions for CS like tutorials, right? So I remember the first time, the first few times I went for lab, I sat there then I was like, what is my TA even going on about? <laughs> you know what's the funny part? Okay, the funny part was, right, I understood the lecture content, but when it came to actually like the practical skills, right? I had zero clue what I was doing. Yeah, so that was one thing also. And then another thing is like, um, I think it's very competitive, especially for like those mods in uh, the school computing, especially because everyone is just like, oh my God, I'm doing this now. Then, okay, as we're approaching like summer now, right? There's this thing called Orbital where everyone just goes for it. So it's like a software building project where like, um, they're, they're kind of given autonomy to decide on your own projects. So it's actually done in like pairs or trios. So you can kind of just grab a buddy, you know, make something cool over summer. And the thing is, right, okay, I experienced this very recently because the applications for it recently opened, right? And a lot of my friends are signing up for it. But then I know that I won't like it because I'm not very inclined to coding, right? So I kept thinking to myself, should I sign up for it just because people are doing it so I can match up to them? And like, I won't feel like I'm left behind, like they did something that I didn't do. Or should I just, you know, not bother about it and then just like okay I'm, I know I'm not gonna like it so I don't sign up for it just for the sake of signing up for it oh, so no. I think another idea of like imposter syndrome is like um, sometimes you do things just for the sake of doing things just to match up with people yeah so like it's not exactly a very healthy response per se cause like you don't you're not really letting yourself experience failure in a sense cause the moment you fail you're like oh my god I failed again like mm. why did I mess up why can't I do it as good as other people Mm. yeah things like that so that's my experience with imposter syndrome no oh, that's a tough mm-hmm. one especially in such a competitive major I, yeah. I i totally get what you're saying and Jean, i like 100 agree with you as well like i think you and i have a very similar experience because we started in covid and i don't know if you felt oh. like that made it like a thousand <laughs> times worse <laughs> I, just, I vividly remember my first semester i was sitting in my dorm and again, like, you know, with COVID, there were all those feelings of like loneliness, you yeah, just felt yeah. isolated and you didn't have anyone. I knew nobody in my major. I knew like, because everyone, and luckily I was living on campus, but I knew nobody in my major and I just felt so lost. And then when like exams started rolling around, you'd get your grades and say like, if it was a bad grade, I wouldn't even have anyone to talk to about it. Oh. Like all I would see was like, oh, you fell like on the mean or you were below oh. the mean. Oh. And it's like, okay, what? Like, how do I do this do? great book? Never click on that shit. Never show results of st- statistics. Oh my god, great book. Oh gosh. But exactly like you would look at those statistics and I would constantly feel like, why am I here? I don't deserve to be here. Like this is not for me. And I had a very similar experience because I went to an international high school. Mm. So again, I just constantly felt like a fish out of water in NUS. And I still do at times because I do think I've struggled a little bit for feeling like I fit in with some of like the social groups. So when that was tough and then exams and stuff was happening as well, I just constantly felt like, yeah, I don't deserve to be in this. I don't know why I chose this major, why I chose this course. And it can get really, really tough. Like COVID or COVID or not, like these are just feelings that you can't help yourself from from coming along. And I think the worst thing is, it's like the after effects of the syndrome or like of the phenomenon. It's like you can get more stressed out. I feel like like I felt like I had quite a bit of anxiety at the time. And you know that's just that's just even worse for when you study. Like anyone who knows about like cortisol levels and how you can perform in exams if you have heightened levels, it just I don't know I just feel like it's such a downward spiral yeah I think COVID was really bad especially for like 
extroverted people like the both of us, right? Like we value like social interactions and like that didn't really help with like the imposter syndrome that was like going on as well. Yeah, what about what about Cheryl? Do you like um experience any like imposter syndrome or like anything during like your year one sem one or has uni life been good for you? I hope it has been. Oh, so nice. To be honest, I think I actually ex- I had my imposter syndrome era like in primary school or something. Or like from primary school going to secondary school. Because like in oh, primary school So young. Like like because in primary school I tended to score like in the higher ranges, right? Then after like PSLE, so because I got a higher score, so I went to a school with where where all the higher scoring people are, right? So then I realized that oh I was the average because my score was actually the cutoff point. So basically I was like the average person there. And then it just it just like at that point in time it suddenly hit me like oh I actually just an average person, you know? I'm just I'm just your average Joe. I, I can't really I'm not really like so I'll say so I was nailing in a sense. And so I guess after that I've kind of learned to not think about it too much. Like for me I personally, I try to, I focus my energy on other things instead. So like, I'll think, instead of thinking about, oh no, uh, I'm like, I'm, I, I feel again, or I'm, I'm such a fraud and stuff. I'll think more of like, oh, what can I do to improve myself? Or like, I don't try to compare myself to other people as much. I try to think about it in like, a sense of how like, for example, what is my goal? Like, let's say my goal is a B or A, like based on my own ability. So if I hit that, and I know that I put in all that, effort I could put in already, I won't like I won't beat myself up over it just because I did worse than other people. And I think it also helped that I have overachiever friends. Even <laughs> though so like I I know so like I have like I have this one friend. I know she's not gonna listen to this because she's still busy for this. So she's so busy <laughs> she's like doing internships, she's like work like doing internships and uh, like doing and she's overloading and like everything right. So looking at her I feel like oh what am I doing with my life? I guess that counts as imposter syndrome. Oh, no. But like, I guess having these type of people, like as your friends, you know that they have their own struggles too. They, they too struggle with imposter syndrome sometimes. And like, you know, you don't really, you, you don't put all these people on a pedestal. You know that oh, everyone is has their own struggles. Everyone is working hard. And like, so you don't really feel, yeah. I guess you don't really, yeah, you feel that like your struggles are also valid. And you yeah. know not to put yourself, like, don't be too hard on yourself. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, I think the statistic is that 82% of people feel imposter syndrome. And if that's, like, not reason enough for you to know that it, you're not alone, it's not just you. And I know sometimes it feels like, oh, everyone has their stuff figured out. Like, as soon as I came into NUS, I saw all these people with all their, like, lesson plans, and they had all their, like, colorful notes. And at that time, I was like, oh, I'm really behind from everyone. And you know how fast NUS goes? Like, the weeks fly by. Before you know it, it's, like, final season and the semester is over. And obviously, it's easy to feel like you're lagging behind. But like you said, Cheryl, you just have to remind yourself that you're not the only one. And I guess just focus inwards, like focus on yourself, focus on your own personal goals. And I, I guess that makes it easier. Yeah, I think that another thing that makes like midterm seasons, especially like stressful also so, because like people have like, people have like this innate instinct to like compare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just now when we were, we were sharing about our experiences with imposter syndrome I realized that 
one common theme that kept coming up was comparison. Mm-hmm. And the reason why comparison is bad is because actually, okay, I wouldn't say like comparison is bad, but it can go both ways. So, okay, so in social psych, there's two types of comparison. So there's um, upward social comparison and downward social comparison. And what we mean by this is, for example, like let's say upward social comparison is when you compare yourself to somebody or something that you want to be. Like you compare yourself upwards to a place that you want to be. Whereas like downward social comparison is comparing yourself to a place that you are better off from. Yeah, so to contextualize this is kind of like, okay, I get my midterm score. I, I submitted an essay, I get my midterm score and I got like a 75. Okay, 75 is, I would say objectively quite like, um, it's quite a neutral score, right? Like it depends on how you interpret it. So it's 75. And if I'm engaging in upward social comparison, when I see my friend getting like a 90, I'll be like, oh damn, like my, my score like sucks. Like 75, like 75 is so bad because my friend got a 90. Then like my imposter syndrome starts to kick in. But on the other hand, if I engage in downward social comparison, let's say like, oh, I get 75, but I later found out that the median or the mean for the essay is actually 60. And then I feel like good about myself because like, I realized that, oh, hey, like, at least, I'm, at least I didn't get 60. Like, I'm, I'm at 75. So I guess, like, comparison is kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, it can really harm you. It can, if you compare yourself, if you compare yourself to unattainable or super, like, far-fetched standards, then that's when, like, your insecurity and, like, your stress and anxiety and imposter syndrome will come in. But at the same time, if you engage in, like, downward um, social comparison, that's when like you feel like gratitude or like you feel thankful for like what you have kind of thing yeah Yeah. no if there's anything I can tell you guys is that it just gets worse like even when you start work like currently I'm like I hate to say it but like I'm interning and my first few weeks were just plagued with these ideas of like everybody around me is a professional I'm at this big company and everybody is better than me not like everyone's better than me but just I felt so small and as an intern like you're bound to feel like that but that's not wrong like when I had that shift in my mindset of like okay yes you are the youngest one here yes you are the least experienced but that's a learning opportunity like let's see what we can take from this and obviously like it's really, really hard to have that conversation with yourself because when you're in that like down state of mind, like 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 you guys are now with midterms, it's so hard to be like, no, that's fine. The positives, like I'm not trying to say it's like an easy thing to do at all, but like I've always found that comparison, like as a personal thing, j- is just really, really horrible. And like personally, when I try to focus on like what there is to be grateful for, what are the learning experiences I can take out of this, or just focusing on the fact that I did my best that's when I, I start to feel better. Like, I don't know if you guys have any tips for the listeners on how to kind of overcome imposter syndrome in, in your own personal lives. But yeah, mine was always, as long as you give your best, nothing else matters. Oh yeah, actually that's actually, really maybe, maybe can, Yeah, that is very true. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can add on a little bit to that on what I do to myself la, to try to, you know, kick my imposter syndrome to the side. So, Actually, right, you do the thing is I realize most of the time, right? My imposter syndrome actually starts when I ask myself like a narrative question like, Oh my god, why is everyone around me doing so well but I'm not doing so well? So like you mentioned, right? Actually it's all a matter of perspective. So if you're actually able to like consciously be aware of this conversation that's going on in your head, like to yourself, right? Then you can actually start to reframe this conversation and start thinking like, you know, let's say like, yeah, intern, right? Then you're like, oh my God, I don't know anything at all. Wait till everyone finds out I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm still here. So instead of thinking about that way, right? You can actually think like, everyone who started off, actually started off like me, they knew nothing. 
but I'm actually going to be good enough to figure everything out. That's so sweet. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's one way to think about it. La. And then like another, okay, this is like another advice that like one of my friends from JC actually gave to me. I don't know whether she actually listened to this, but I've actually been using it ever since I actually told me about it. So she said, actually, it's just a very simple thing only.
that I think that's like the biggest impact of imposter syndrome is if you have all this like anxiety in you, it makes writing those exams like a thousand times harder. So for the listeners, hopefully all the tips we shared help you guys a little in midterm season. And we hope you don't stress too, too, too much. But maybe we could share some like psychology hacks that we use for our midterm season or just generally like things that you guys think are just good pieces of advice for anyone listening. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll go first. Okay, so for me, right, I think that sometimes when we want to start studying, right, we actually have this thing that's like an inertia. Like you want to start, but you just can't start because like the just the thought of the work, just like it's so daunting, you know, just don't want to start. So what I would normally do for myself is I actually kind of categorize my work into those that take a lot of effort and those that take a little bit less effort but still take effort. So what you do is you start with an easier task, right? You know the idea of making your bed every morning to start something, like to start your day productively? So it's the same idea here. What you want to do is you want to do something that is easier to do first. So once you finish it, you're like, okay, I'm in the mood now. Once I set the mood, I can go on to things that are a little bit harder for me to actually try to complete. But in, in the end, actually this works well for me because I'm able to do things that are less important, but less important and uh, but like may or may not be urgent and things that are important and urgent at the same time. So actually, okay, this leads to another one, which is an idea which I usually use is when I study for my mods, right, there are usually mods that I really like and mods that I don't like at all. So the way I study in a day is I'll plan my day to, I'll, I'll do one mod that I really like and one that I really don't like at all. So it kind of balances things out for me. And I, when I get tired of one mod, which I don't really like, I'll just switch to the other one, which I really like. And when I think I've done enough for the other one, I'm like ready and pumped up for a harder session. I'll just swap over to the one I don't really like. So it's all about balance for me. And another thing is, um, don't expect too much out of yourself in one day. Just do what you can. If anything, you can do more than you expected to, that's good. If not, just work harder the next day. There's always another day. That's, that's like such great advice. I think I should try next time. First, like when trying to study for mods that I don't like, I tend to procrastinate a bit. <laughs> like I don't have the, I don't have the, like, okay, this was last time. Like if all the JC people, right, y'all know about GP. I hate GP so much. I can't, I hate GP so much that I honestly didn't really, as in, I always study that the last. But I think maybe I should, even though it might take less effort because I'm just like reading essays or like doing practice. And the practices take like less time than start like in a whole math paper or something. So maybe I should try how just method. As for me, uh, this is a kind of time-consuming method, but I think it really helps with um, retrieving information. Like it helps you recall like information quite far, like quite yeah, quite quickly. So basically, I'll read my notes right, and then after a while, or even even immediately after, I'll cover it. Uh, uh, or like I just throw it to the one side, and then I'll start writing everything I can remember from my notes about that topic. After that, I'll start to compare, and then like I'll if I have time, I'll like repeat this maybe like the next day or like after a few hours and then like slowly you'll see that you start to remember more and more. I think you can like pretty much write everything down. Wait, that's really cool. Wait, I'm so curious. Where did you learn to pick up that study method? I mean, I made it myself. I like Yeah, but when I searched it up, I think it's called like retrieval practice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so really interesting. So last semester I took this um psych psych module about learning and memory. So it's like a it's like a 4K mod that talks about like how memory is formed and how we learn things. And that's exactly like the right way to study. Yeah. So like very briefly, like very, very, very brief overview. So in memory, there's this thing called storage strength and retrieval strength of information. Storage strength is 
how well the memory is consolidated in your mind. Retrieval strength is how easily it's retrieved. But they are both independent things. So some information have high storage but low retrieval strength. Some information have like high storage strength, high retrieval strength, and so on and so forth. So there's four types of information. And by doing like active recall, which is like how you like you read your notes and then you basically like write everything you can remember, that's a form of like increasing like the storage strength because ultimately the goal of like studying is, is for you to make sure that like information is properly encoded. So you want to increase like the storage strength while increasing the retrieval strength as well. And that's like the right way to like yeah. do it. Oh my yeah. god, I know so much about active recall. I just love it. Because honestly, like as a new media major, I don't have a lot of exams as per se or like quizzes. My my papers are mostly like essays. So I don't actually have to worry too much about remembering the correct information at the correct time. But for all my friends who are in like science-based classes or classes where you need like to remember something on the spot, I'm always telling them to do active recall because that's the most important thing when you're at an exam is like when you see a question, of course, like, the information might be stored in your brain, but it's like being able to recall it at that perfect moment. So I think if anyone has to take like one tip away, I think that is an amazing way to study. And it's also backed up quite a bit by a lot of psychology studies. Yeah, it is. It is. It's actually like psychologically the most efficient way to like study, like basically active recall, because you want to like, even though it's a painful process, but it's like the most efficient way to learn. Yeah, it's so interesting that like, like Cheryl, it's so interesting that you sort of like figure it out on your own. Because before like studying, mm-hmm. before taking that mod, like I've always been studying in that manner, but I've never realized that like, oh, what I'm doing is actually active recall and like that's what makes it like efficient. That's what makes my studying like productive. Oh, I think another cool. thing I would just say is just like generally for anyone listening, be sure to take breaks when you're studying. Like I know sometimes if you have like a like an exam in like one or two days, you might think like, oh, I should like stay up all night or or I should work like six hours with no break. But it has been proven that that does not help you. That does not help you store information. It drains all of your mental energy. And sleep is a very, very important thing in keeping information in your brain. So please, please, please get your sleep, get your rest and don't let midterm season get you down. It'll all be okay. Yeah, I think like sleep is like a big one to me because... Like, so I study psych, right? And, like, researchers have, have actually found that memory is consolidated during your sleep. So, like, memory between your synapses, which is basically, like, the 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 part between the axon and the dendrite of two neurons. This is where, like, this is where your memory is located. And, um, like, memory is consolidated when you sleep. So, when you pull all-nighters or when you sleep late, when you're not, like, getting enough rest, your memories, your memories are not being consolidated. So, like, that's why studying is not going to be like productive if, if anything it's going to be pretty like counterproductive because you're like staying up all night to study but your brain is just not getting sleep so it's not able to like consolidate and solidify like these memories so like make sure to always get your sleep don't pull all-nighters yeah okay thank you guys thank you for all that amazing advice and we hope this helped anyone listening we know midterm season is really really stressful but don't worry, you got it. And we hope you can learn a little bit from today's episode. So yeah, that was Half Baked Science. And you're listening to Radio Pulse, the sound of NUS. I'm Sohana. I'm Jean. I'm Cheryl. Ouchie. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. I don't know why I'm waving. <laughs>